Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. And I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney this Saturday morning, welcoming your phone calls and text messages. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, Danny, and everyone out there. Yes. Would you uh, ask the uh, powers that be to bring us some showers, please? We need it. We need rain so badly. Yes, we do. <laughs> I don't see any much in the forecast that I could see. Sorry. No, a small chance to maybe water. tomorrow. We're going to have to water. Yep, absolutely. And I've taken your advice, you and your colleagues, and uh, don't don't be fertilizing anything right now as a rule. Right. 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 Yep. Yep. You don't want to fertilize. You can put down. You can put down your winterizer. On the lawn, um, if you haven't just seeded, if you just seeded your lawn, you want to make sure that you wait the proper amount of time so that grass is up and growing. And you may miss this year's fertilizing, winterizing for your lawn because when you fertilize, um, you know, new grass, brand new grass, baby grass, you could burn it. So you kind of defeat the purpose there. So you want to make sure you've had to mow that new grass two or three times that it's growing and nice and strong before you put your winterizer down. Yes, winterizing your lawn is the only fertilizing you should be doing right now. Uh, unless you have container plants, like your marigolds or anything like that, you can still fertilize those because they're going to be killed with the first frost if they haven't already been killed. Now, what's or, the reason for uh, for not fertilizing other things outside of uh, your inside plants, your potted plants? Why is that? So so when when the time gets cooler... The soil gets cooler and microbial activity slows down. And that indicates to the plants with their roots and all their intera- interactions with the microbials and, and everything there, the fungi and everything, that it's time to become dormant because winter is coming. So then they start drawing down more energy into their root systems to store carbohydrates for next year and for the winter. And if you suddenly change What's happening in the soil, they won't understand that, yes, it's cool, but there's still a lot of microbial activity, so we got to keep growing. And that's also why you don't prune plants, because when you prune a plant, that often causes chemicals in the plant to say, um, I've been pruned, I need to grow now. So it starts to grow where you've pruned it. So that growth takes away from the energy that they would be storing in their roots, that growth is also not very strong, so it's probably not going to make it through the winter. So it's kind of like a double hit on the plant. So that's why we don't prune after, say, August, August 15th, and we don't fertilize 
um, after, say, the middle of August, except for our grass, which is a little kind of different situation because the, the fertilizer gets down there and it bulks up the roots and the grass doesn't grow. It, it, it just it uses it next year to come out nice and strong. So that's why we do fertilized grass in the yeah. winter. So it just depends, as master gardeners like to say. Yeah, well, that's, that's good advice. Uh, if you have a if you have a question, uh, either by phone or by text, for Master Gardener Therese Rooney, here's the the number, as applies to both six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Don't wait though. I know we we always get backed up here uh, on our gar- lawn and garden show. So uh, call it in, text it in as soon as you can think of it. We're already getting a bunch of text messages, uh, Teresa. Wonderful. Uh, let me let's grab one here. Oh, uh, is this a good time to move hostas? Is our first one. Sure. Uh, You want to get those in as quickly as possible. What you want to do when you're moving plants, deciduous plants or perennials, you want to think, do the roots have about six more weeks before the ground freezes? And if you think, yes, they do, and probably down here in Minneapolis, they do. So go ahead and move them, plant them, water them well. And if you think, well, maybe we only have four or five weeks, once you've watered really well, give them a little thicker mulch. That will slow down the cooling of the soil. Um, I'd probably wait till this week. It's supposed to be kind of warm, so let the soil get as warm as possible, and then add your extra mulch on it. Um, for plants like, that goes for deciduous trees. Maples you can put in if the ground's not frozen. That's fine. But um, like all your evergreens, they need eight weeks. And I think think we're past that now. So you want to think about that. Yep. So go ahead and move your pastas and, and mark those plants that you're going to move next spring. And yep, go ahead. All right. Very good. Let's grab a phone call, Teresa. Mark is calling in from South St. Paul. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. morning. Um, you were talking about lawns and such. What about those of us that have <clears throat> creeping Charlie? How do we deal with the <laughs> obscene thing? No, the winter's coming in or such. Uh, weed feeds or anything like that, That uh, other than the okay. mass so, destruction like dynamite. Okay, so so if you don't want Creeping Charlie, mm-hmm. when, we, when we get those first frosts, then the plants again know that, oh, winter's coming, so I better draw as much energy from the sun as I can. I must photosynthesize as much as I can to bulk up my roots. Uh. So this is a great time then to put the weed killer on the Creeping Charlie because it will draw that weed killer into the system. Now, you know, it it may not work the first year. You may have to do it again next spring because Creeping Charlie is kind of tough. Also remember that Creeping Charlie does set seeds and the birds bring in the seeds. So once you have that bare soil, there's a lot, there's a huge seed bank of weed seeds in there, including Creeping Charlie. So if you start moving that soil around, you wake up all those weed seeds and you bring them up near the surface where they can get the sun and they'll sprout out. Well, so, you know, I'm trying to avoid uh, herbicides or such because, unfortunately, uh, pets can get into that. And it, they can, they can, and especially, you know, it does dry. But um, but once it's once it's on there, if they're eating it or if it gets damp and, and brushing against it, I don't know what happens there. So then, in that case, your best instant, your best thing is just to kill it, um, just to like pull it out. Or you could put smother it, like say put cardboard on top of it for about a, you know a season or two and see see how that works for you. Okay. That's always an option too, and the pets can walk on the cardboard. And if you pull it, just um, I would let it dry thoroughly before I put it in my compost bin, or send it to the city compost bin where it'll bake nice and and get totally killed and just turn it into compost then. Okay. Good luck. Good. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for the, thank you for the call. 651-989-9226. You want to call in your lawn and garden question or send a text. That same number applies. Uh, 651-989-9226. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, is with us this morning, helping you out here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We'll be right back. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney, helping you out, talking lawns and gardens, as we always do this hour. Uh, and as usual, Teresa, a lot of phone calls, a lot of texts. Before we do get back to the phone line, let me grab a text that says this, why are my dahlias so small this year? What do you think? Uh, it could be it could be the heat. Um, sometimes, too, the dahlias, if you don't disbud them, you have to remove some of the other buds so that the one, the one flower gets nice and big. So if you haven't done that, that could be the reason. Okay. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Forest Lake will be our next stop here. Georgine is calling uh, from there. Georgine, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Hi, Georgina. Hi, Teresa. When we moved in here, there there was a hydrangea plant and a bunch of lilies. The hydrangea has never bloomed, and I don't know what can I do to make it bloom, or is it just done? It's a nice bush, and the lilies, they just sort of wave in the wind and don't smile either. Okay, so... Both of those may need some more uh, some more sunshine. It depends on what kind of hydrangea it is. If it's an Annabelle, it should be blooming. If it's an endless summer, it should be blooming. But what you want to do next year is maybe uh, fertilize them as soon as they're coming out of dormancy. You can use a granular fertilizer and sprinkle that around and do that once a month until the 1st of August. That should help. You can always top dress with compost to improve the soil. But it could be just an issue of light. Now, um, if it's a if it's a really old hydrangea called Nico Blue, that one blooms only on old wood. So if the wood from this year isn't surviving into next year, you're never going to see blooms. And how would you know that if you didn't know what kind of Nico, what kind of hydrangea it was? So if you just tie a few little strands of yarn on some of the wood that's up and growing right now and blooming or uh, leafed out beautifully. If that dies next year, that could be the issue that you're having. Otherwise, the endless summer and the the um, the uh, Annabelles, they all bloom on new and old woods or new woods, so you're okay with those. So that would not be the issue. But those are some options you might want to look at. Good luck. Okay. Texter wants to know, I'd like to grow moss between flagstone. What's the best way to start this? Is now oh, a good time? Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you, moss lover. Um. Okay, so so moss likes compact soil, likes poor soil, likes moist conditions, likes um, not a lot of uh, sunshine and not a lot of air circulation. So if you've got bright sun and it's really good soil, that's probably not going to work. But what you can do is you could go to the extension site, and I believe they have a little moss recipe where you can mix up the moss in a blender, uh, probably a special blender that you may or may not use again for food, with I think it's buttermilk. And I'd probably wait to the spring to do this because I don't know if it would settle in fast enough and make it through the winter. Uh, so you may want to try something like that. You can also, if you find moss around your house, you can just take a little bit of it and patch it in where you want it and just keep it moist and try not to make it where people are going to walk on it so it can, so it can expand a little bit. But moss is an absolutely beautiful plant. And good luck. All right. Very good. Uh, I think Al is calling in this morning from uh, Plymouth, Minnesota, with a question for you, Teresa. Al, good morning. You're on with Teresa Rooney. Good morning, Hi, Al. Last, hi. Last winter, the voles destroyed our lawn. 
And this summer I've set mouse traps all around using peanut butter. We live in, in an empty, we have empty lots on three sides of us. What do I do to get rid of those voles? Uh, well, you, you've you've par- partially worked on it. That's good. What you need to do then is cut the grass a little bit shorter, um, just gradually, and, and make sure that you don't have any brush piles around. You want a really open space. So the voles, they're like little field mice, so they don't want to be out in the open because hawks can grab them and other predators can grab them. So you want it really open, not a lot of grass for them to hide in. That will really help. Um, that's about the best you can do for your lawn. You don't want to be putting poisons down because that could, could kill other animals. And then you don't want the mice and the voles in your house either. But if you clean up all the debris that could be around, anything by your house, any place where they can hide, wood piles, anything like that, that will really help. You can also um, put up uh, some bird, uh, bird baths, and that might bring some hawks in. If you have a tree that's dead, you could leave a standing for the for the hawks and the other raptors on, and, the, and the owls because then they can see and that could be a lookout post for them as long as the tree is not going to fall and hurt anyone. So you can have like what's called a snag. So if you can make your property inviting to things like foxes and birds of prey and, and critters like that, that will decrease the vole population. And then just keep the, keep the grass a little bit shorter especially if you have tall grass, because if you have tall, wild areas, the voles can live in that easily, and then they'll come into your grass in the wintertime under the soil and um, destroy all the grass roots. Good luck. Very good. Uh, Donna is calling in from uh, White Bear Lake this morning with a question for Teresa Rooney. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Good morning, Donna. Uh, What's happening with my hosses this year? I've got several different varieties, and they are just blighting out. Some of the leaves just turn a bright orange, and then they just dry up and get all crispy. Is there something going around? There's probably not anything going around that I've heard of. It's probably just the the outrageous heat that we're having. Um, they could be just a little stressed. They might have gotten not enough water. They might have, if the sunshine has changed, they could be getting a little too much sun. Um, you know, what you want to do is you could dig up a hosta and see if there's something going on with the roots. If if it's maybe too wet, maybe they're in a really waterlogged soil, the roots could be rotting. So if you could carefully just lift one up and see what the roots are doing. If the roots look nice and healthy, it's probably just something to do with the weather that we've been having because it's been very strange weather we've had some hot, hot, and some cold, cold. And if you've gotten a frost, they could have been nipped by frost. So it's just kind of tough sometimes on the plant because they're out there all the time. But as long as their roots are healthy, they should be coming back just fine next year. Well, my hostas are like a buffet for the deer. They've got them yes. eaten right down to the ground. <laughs> That's wow. deer candy, deer candy. And yeah, you know what I you guess. can do? What you can do is if you take, like, if your hostas are in your bed, or you could do this individually, just take four sticks or however many sticks you want. And what, and if you can think of a, a circus with a trapeze flying at and the net they have to load a catch, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to create that kind of a net over your hostas. So if you take your four sticks and just put bird netting over those sticks, tall enough so that the hostas will never come in contact with them, um, then, you know, from five, six feet away, you don't see that netting. And if you let it drape over the front, the the deer can't get to it. You can leave that on all season. And then, yes, you have the netting out there, but then the deer aren't eating them either. 
So and there, that's an and option. one one good thing with the ferns all around the hostas, they don't touch the ferns. Just they the hostas. The ferns. Yeah. There's not a lot of insects or animals that eat ferns. Um, just people do sometimes in the spring. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they don't eat it. But hostas are actually delicious, and they are a delicacy, so you could eat them too. But, um, yeah, you don't want the ho- the bunnies to be eating your hosta and the deer to be eating your hosta. You're no. kind of growing those for a reason. Teresa, we need to take a quick break okay. here. Just a reminder to our listeners, we have another half hour of the show to go. Uh, we have callers. We have texters. And if you want to do the same, call in to ask Teresa your lawn or garden question, 651 989 9226. That's the phone number. That's the text number here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning we're joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, helping you out as usual by phone and by text. And you know the number, 651-989-9226. And, Teresa, as usual, we are loaded with calls and text messages. Well, should we give them a website that they can Let's absolutely do that. So you should, if you can't get your questions answered today, go to extension.umn, like University of Minnesota, dot com. And also, just a quick plug here, the Hennepin Master Gardeners will be having a virtual information booth from 11 to 12.30. And you can get a link for that on hennepinmastergardeners.org. And then they'll bring the link will bring you right over there. And you can talk to Master Gardeners who are just waiting to talk to you. Thanks. Let's Thanks. mention Thanks. that, Teresa, before you leave us today, sure. too. Mm-hmm. So yep. Very good. All right, back to the phones we go. Uh, Mary, I believe, is calling from Maple Grove this morning. Thank you, Mary. What is your question? Hi, Mary. Well, good morning. Hi. Um, we planted a showy mountain ash this year up north near Park Rapids. Mm-hmm. And it was a good year with a lot of rain. It was do- it's been doing really well. But went down to check it a couple of weeks ago. And the branches are covered with a fine white growth. It looks sort of, it doesn't look powdery like mildew, but it does look kind of stringy and all over the little trunk of the tree and the and the branches. I'm wondering if the tree has some kind of disease. That one's new to me. I don't know what that might be. I don't want to guess wrong. What I would do is suggest, Mary, is if you can take some really good pictures, really clear pictures, and um, go on to the, um, the extension.umn.edu website, and there's actually a tab where you can click on to ask the master gardener, and you can send them a picture. And then they'll do some research, and they'll get back to you on that. We've got some great people manning that whole program. And so that would be my best bet, um, your best bet, unless you can find a master gardener to look at it or ask a tree care um, a certified arborist to come and look at your tree. If you're if it's in a town, the town might have a tree care arborist a tree care advice I'm sorry, a certified arborist who will come out and look at the tree for free. So that would be good. Or you just ask any good tree care service that has certified arborists and they may just give you a quick, you know, look at it at for free and then whatever you want to do is after that then. But, okay. Yeah. Very that's good. that's kinda of scary. Yeah it is. Yeah, I mean, I have here's, some ideas, but I don't want to lead you astray, so I'm not going to. Good idea. <laughs> uh, here's a texter, Teresa, that says, can perennials uh, salvia specifically be transplanted, or is it too late? Go ahead and transplant them as quickly as you can. Uh, keep them really well watered to the ground is frozen. Uh, there should be, as long as you're in the southern part of the state, you should have another six weeks of before the ground freezes. 
if you're kind of iffy on that or if you're up north, um, I would just, once you water in really well, give it a little thicker mulch than you normally would, and that will slow down the cooling of the soil. Once the soil is frozen, you want it to stay frozen. You just want to slow that cooling just a little bit and give those roots a little more time to, to kick in and no fertilizing this year. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Ed is calling in from Bloomington this morning. Ed, you're on with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Hi, Ed. Good morning. Thank you for your show. I have a yard. My backyard is full of wild clover. Mm-hmm. I sprayed it last year with a uh, weed killer, and it sort of stunted a little bit, but it didn't kill it. So I did it again this spring. Again, it stunted it, but it didn't kill it. So I just did it last week, and... Uh, I don't see a lot of activity uh, in the change of it. It just curls a little bit, but it comes right back again. What okay. can I do? So so you want to make sure, first of all, that the, the weed killer you're using on, on it says that it is for that type of clover. Whatever. You want to make sure that that plant is listed. Um, if you're not quite sure, you can either call the manufacturer or go back to the to the place you purchased the weed killer and say, should this work on my clover? Because it doesn't seem to be doing it. Otherwise, it sounds like you're doing everything correctly. Um, as long as you're applying it correctly, you didn't apply it when it was too hot, when it was too windy. Um, if it gets too hot, the the chemicals actually just vaporize, and all the all that goes on the plant is the sticker agent. If it's too cold, it, it's not going to work. If it washes off, so as long as you're following all the procedures correctly, that should be working for you. So you want to make sure you have the right product for that clover, and then you want to make sure that you're following the directions implicitly, and because the label is the law. Good luck. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to grab a text message in a moment here, but the Steve, I think, is waiting there in Hudson to ask you a question. Thank you, Steve. What's your question for for uh, Teresa this morning? Hi, Steve. Uh, good morning, Teresa. Thank you for a very informative show for all of us gardeners. Who Great. Thanks for waiting. Up, even though we've grown up, we still like to play in the dirt. Oh, you know, it's just that's what gardeners do. And you get a bunch of gardeners together, and they'll just talk gardening, and, and it's like non-gardeners just think we're crazy. But, yes, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> this year I planted some dahlias and some calla lilies, and I'm wondering when's the best time to dig those bulbs, and how should I store them over the winter? Uh, I think okay. my basin is too warm. It's insulated, and I'm yep. not sure what to do. Okay, so what you want to do is, and wait until most of the foliage has died back and then pull up the dahlias and the calla lily bulbs um, or corms, whatever they are. Uh, pull those up and brush off most of the soil. Make sure that they look okay. They're not rotty or anything like that. Then you want to let them sit out just for maybe a week or so somewhere in your house or somewhere outside where they can just kind of harden off a little bit, just callous up just a little bit. And then you do want to store them in a cool place. And, and I would definitely suggest going to the extension.umn.edu website because each bulb could be a little bit different. Some of the cooler places you might find in your house are a bedroom or a closet on an outer wall that you don't use that often. You don't want it to drop below, say, 40 degrees. But, yeah, most of our basements are too warm. They might be too wet. They might be too humid. 
So, and you do want to check on your bulb. I'd say about once a month, making sure that nothing's rotting, making sure that it hasn't dried out too much. You may need to spritz them sometimes, or if they're getting really damp, you may need to just open up whatever container you've got them in and make sure that they're they're drying off a little bit. And you do want, I don't know if you have in um, mouse problems and things like that, but if you do find critters in your house sometimes, you do want to make sure whatever you put the bulbs in is not going to be a free-for-all for them to eat them. So you want to protect them that way, too. Good luck. All right. Very good. Let's go to Nisswa, Minnesota. I think Julie is there to ask you a question, Teresa. Go ahead, Julie. Thank you. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I bought a beautiful gardenia bush at our local garden center, and it had a few blossoms that were blooming at the time. Mm-hmm. I put it out on my deck, and it didn't have. It doesn't have a ton of sun, but it gets a fair amount of sun. Mm-hmm. And what happened throughout the summer is the leaves from underneath started yellowing. The outer ones were still green, and then it gradually they started to yellow as well. It also had a ton of buds, but none of them popped out. They didn't blossom. Okay. So just wondering what I did wrong. Well, it probably it, it might have been you or it might have been the weather. Um, with some of the cold spells and the wind, it was kind of tough on some of the plants, especially container plants. And those gardenia, they want full sun. They do like it a little humid, so they should have been fine with our summer here. However, you know, and, and the leaves at the bottom getting yellow, that's kind of sort of normal because they're older leaves and they might not have gotten enough sun. They might have been shaded by the leaves above. Um, but the blossoms not opening, at least they got blossoms on them, but maybe they need a little bit of fertilizer. And as it's okay. a container plant, yes, you can fertilize your container plants. Um, and just, I would definitely go to the website. Uh, gardenias are a little trickier in the house. They need more humidity than we would think. And they do need a lot of sunshine for in our homes because we have such dark homes and it, the winters are so overcast. And, and then you have all the fires out in California and, and the West Coast. So that's putting smoke way up in the air. So that's blocking some of the sunlight. So even if they're in full sun, they might not be getting full sun. And it might not look that much different to us, but to a plant it could be. So we're just seeing a lot of just different impacts with the heat the lack of rain or too much rain or frost or cold and up and down temperatures and the smoke in the sky. It's just, who knows? <laughs> so that's, that's my guess. Who knows? All right. Sorry, I can't narrow it down specifically, but I, I would try to bring the plant in, uh, go to the extension site. They'll tell you how to bring the plant in safely so you don't bring in critters and then just follow the instructions to give it a little humidity. Um, you don't want to fertilize a plant that's not actively growing and give it as much sun or a, give it a little light in your house. That You should be able to be okay. Good luck. Uh, before we break, I want to take one more call before we tackle some okay. text messages. And Sue is calling from East Bethel this morning. Sue, you're on with uh, Teresa Rooney. Hi, Sue. Hello, Sue. I have a feeling Sue is either not listening or is gone. Oh, no. No, I'm here. Okay. Oh, there she is. Talk to Go me ahead, up. Sue. Okay, I have um, two retaining walls that have a lot of brush and trees that have sprouted out of them mm-hmm. and the owners didn't pull them. And now we're going to try tackling getting those out of the retaining wall. Mm-hmm. Is there a product to use that would rot out those stumps after we cut them off or should we attempt to pull them out 
without damaging the retaining wall. I probably wouldn't pull them out because I, I don't, wouldn't want to bother the integrity of the wall. What you can do is you have some options. You can cut the stumps really close to the ground, as close as you can, and then immediately brush something like a stump, like a, um, what do they call it? A, uh, uh, I was going to say stump killer, but there's a, there's a stump thing, a rotting out stump, but there's also a um, brush killer. That's what you want to put on that, a brush killer. So that's a little stronger, and you want to put that on immediately before that wound starts to callus over and, and everything. Then it will draw the energy into the roots. And then what you could do, too, is you could put uh, like a tin can over the roots or something. What's going to happen is suckers are going to come up often right by that, that stump, and then they'll come up in the tin can, and there'll be no sunlight, and they'll die. Or just keep on top of it and um, and keep cutting those stumps. It, it, they'll rot naturally. But I would probably try to kill them first, and then there is a stump product that you can put on, but you also have to use, like, kerosene and everything else. So I don't think there's anything like that. I would just let them rot naturally if you can and just say that they're giving your wall character while they're rotting. But um, but do use, like, a brush killer on those cuts immediately. Good luck. Good. All right, Teresa, we need to take a quick break. We have more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show here on WCCO. So stay with us. We'll pick up on more text messages when we come back. And good morning. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. We're here every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Thanks for joining us today. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is helping you out. Here's a text, Teresa. It says, when's the best time to plant apple trees? Um, you probably in the spring would be better. I would plant your apple tree in the spring. Yep. Okay. And What's remember, you have to plant two varieties. Or oh, that's right. Crab apple. There has to be a crab apple nearby to um, to cross pollinate. You, so you so you don't want two honey crisps. You want a honey crisp and something else. Well, you can have Very honey interesting. Crisp. You just have to have one other one too. Interesting. Uh, what's the best time a texter wants to know to relocate rhubarb, strawberry, and blueberry plants? I would do all of those in the spring, protect them now, and then move them all in the spring. Okay. We're doing a lightning round here, as you, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, here's another one, Teresa. It says, I planted a row of caladiums last spring. They've done beautifully. Can I dig up bulbs and store until next spring? You certainly can. Um, just uh, dig them up as soon as they're hit by the frost. And just like the other caller, brush off the soil um, let them harden just a little bit, uh, callus over, and then um, store them according to directions. And I go to the extension.umn.edu website to get the exact um, temperature and humidity that they need. Before I forget, yeah, that's the website we want, wanted you to, to read, but, but you had another source for some mm-hmm. questions too, right? Yep. So you could go to Hennepin mastergardeners.org and we'll be having a info booth a, a virtual info booth so you just click on the little the little click there and you'll be connected to master gardeners and we're talking from 11 to 12:30 it's just an open forum taking any questions you can do your one question and leave you can just sit there the whole time and listen to the other questions or you can just listen to master gardeners babble to each other about gardening cuz that's today that. That's today. Yep. All Actually, right. every Saturday. We're trying to do it every Saturday. Oh, that's a great idea. Yep. Very good. Yep. What's the best way, Texter wants to know, to prepare endless summer hydrangea for winter? Okay, so nothing right now. I would, if you have bunny issues or deer issues, usually the deer don't bother them, but sometimes the bunnies do. Um, I would protect them. Uh, a, a, a circle of... of uh, 
chicken wire is fine. And then in the spring, as soon as they come out of dormancy, give them a little extra nutrition because they are heavy feeders and understand sometimes endless summer is a little late coming out of dormancy. So just wait till you see some growth and then cut back all the dead growth and it should be fine. Just keep watering everything till the ground is frozen, though, because not continuously, obviously, but keep making sure your plants have water because we are way down on water, and that will really impact your plants next year, all your plants. Indeed. What do you recommend for newer azalea plants winterization? Uh, For azaleas, okay, so what you want to do right now is all your azaleas, whether they're new or old, unless you have a nice acidic soil, get some soil sulfur. And you can take a handful or two of soil sulfur and just sprinkle it over, sprinkle it over the top of the soil or the top of the mulch that you have. Do make sure that they're watered well and don't, you do have to mulch the roots. They have a, a fibrous root system that's right at the surface. So, and I would probably protect it from bunnies. I haven't had any bunny damage on mine, but you just never know. Uh, the winter's supposed to be a little tough this year, so. I would definitely protect the plants that you don't want the bunnies to prune. And then you would prune in the spring after it finishes blooming. Okay. We have a couple of minutes to go on the show. Utility company did work in my yard, Texter says, and came back and put down black dirt and seed with a covering over it. When do I remove the cover? The new grass is doing well. Yep, take off the cover as soon as the grass is up. That cover was there to just really stop the birds from enjoying the grass seed. So what you can take up that cover as soon as your grass is up and growing. That cover also says to people don't walk here or to animals maybe not walk here. So it does protect some of that. So if you've got kids running around, you may want to leave it on a little longer or mark it so the kids don't run on there or um, let the pets on there until it's up and growing quite well. But you can take the cover off once the grass is sprouted. Okay. Is it too late to plant ornamental grass? Nope. Go ahead. Put it in. Get it in as soon as possible. And another lawn question. Can I still put down weed killer? Uh, well, you could. Um, you probably don't need to. Um, I mean, if you need to kill like, like perennial weeds, like dandelions, I would probably spot treat those. So you want to use a liquid or a spot treater. You don't want to use like a weed and feed granular. Uh, and then, then you do want to keep everything nicely watered. So okay. that's what I would do. Yeah. Texter wants to know, Teresa, how late into this fall can I plant flowering bulbs? Um, plant your, oh, that's, thank you for asking that question. Um, so plant all your flowering, spring flowering bulbs now. Get, get as many in as you can. Buy hundreds and thousands of them. Um, the daffodils put in as quickly as possible because they need a little time to establish their roots. The tulips you can put in as long as the ground is not frozen. I have put tulips in in a blizzard and that's not something I would suggest, but you can do it as long as the ground isn't frozen. So yes, go ahead, plant your bulbs. They, you'll be so happy next spring. Well, there's a dedicated a dedicated gardener to do that. <laughs> there's a gardener who said, I have bulbs and I don't want them to die over winter. <laughs> oh. yeah. Tell you what, to, Teresa, we are plumb out of time, but thanks again. It's always fun having you on the show. Again, why don't you throw, thank you. Why don't you pass along those, uh, those uh, couple of ideas for websites? So it's extension.umn.edu. And if you can't remember that, just say Apple Trees UMN, and it'll bring you to the right website. And then if you want to talk to Master Gardeners or just listen in, it's hennepinmastergardeners.org, and there'll be a link for the um, virtual uh, info booth. It's a great opportunity. Thanks again for all the work, and uh, let's talk soon, okay? Thank you. We will. Take care. All right. Thanks, Teresa. Teresa Runa, Master Gardener, a lot of fun.
fun, uh, a fun lady uh, and knowledgeable as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.